You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. Welcome into the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Stephen Lesh, Program Director for Bowling Green State University's PT Program. Stephen, welcome in. Well, thank you. Great to be here. All right, Steve. Why don't you give us a little bit of background about yourself? You know, what got you into PT in the first place? And kind of tell us a little bit more about your story. Well, sure. Thanks so much. Uh, excited to be here. Uh, but first, I'm actually the curriculum director at Bowling Green State University. We, we have a program director. Her name is Stephanie Thurman. So I'm actually the curriculum director in that piece. Uh, sports medicine wise, man, I've been in sports, uh, sports PT since the late 80s. Um, started off the University of Missouri, got my PT credentials at the University of Missouri. And uh, went then, uh, I, I felt that there was something missing, uh, especially that generation of physical therapists, that uh, uh, we couldn't do everything that I, I felt like I wanted to do in sports, um, largely because we were very referral-based. Um, we were always treating on the rehab side of things, and we couldn't see the athletes directly. So uh, I felt something was missing. So I actually then uh, went to the University of Arkansas and uh, got my athletic training credentials. So I was able to work in both worlds um, and got exposed to a whole different piece of the sports medicine aspect that uh, you normally d- d- don't get to see if you're only in the clinic. So it got me to the venues. It got me to um, working on what I call the prehab side of things, uh, which is which is an area I really enjoy. Um so uh, uh, branched out from there, uh, owned my own clinic, and and uh, we 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 did sports medicine for a, a local university, a bunch of local high schools, and uh, eventually got into uh, academics and and uh, was was a program director at Arkansas State, then at Southwest Baptist University, and now the curriculum director at, at Bowling Green. I became a board certified sports PT in 1999, I believe. Um, which again was just another step and another level of of, of mastering uh, all of those things that go on in the sports world. Um, one of the neat things I get to do as part of my background, um, although uh, fully full full disclosure, this COVID thing has slowed it down a great deal. Um, is working working with uh, uh, as part of the U.S. Olympic uh, sports medicine program. And uh, uh, got I've got to do some neat things with them since 2003, but man, it's it's really the brakes have really been put on, unfortunately, the last couple of years with that program and my and my involvement in it. Right. So, in a non-COVID related year, what's your what's your involvement like for the <laughs> what's the what's your involvement like for um, with the Olympic sports medicine team? Non non COVID. What does that look like anymore? I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I remember that. To be real honest with you, uh, let uh, let me give you some examples. Um, in 2006, uh, I had the great opportunity. Um, I, I was contacted by U.S. Figure Skating, 
and they needed uh, um, some help with the U.S. Figure Skating Nationals. And so I, I became what they call the venue medical coordinator. And so I, I, I got there because of my experience, helped put all of the pieces together. Um, and when you run uh, figure skating championships, uh, you have to have two venues. You've got the practice venue and you've got your, your, your competition venue. And you know, th- those are a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that you don't normally see. And I was, the, I, I was the coordinator for the practice arena. So getting everything coordinated through there, all, all of the medical, all of the physical therapists, the athletic trainers, we use massage therapists, the, the uh, uh, emergency medicine pieces, all of that was coordinated for an incredible 10 days and, and, and just an absolute joy. And, and you're working from sun up till sun, actually sun up till sun up, to be real honest, because then I, then I stayed in the hotels with the athletes because then I was on call at that point in time too. In case, and, and believe it or not, the biggest problems we dealt with was just people getting sick. And it's ironic to say that now what we're dealing with with COVID, but even back then you brought all these people together, um, you know, people eating different foods, people exposed to different, and, and be real honest, uh, uh, just people being sick and, and needing IVs because, you know, various things that they were experiencing, uh, you know, getting dehydrated and what have you. Um, so absolute joy. Another another example is uh, in 2016, I got to uh, go out during during the Rio games. I, I've never gotten a call to go to the games themselves. But in 2016, I actually was in Colorado Springs covering the training center while a lot of their staff was in Rio. So it was a really neat, neat thing. Um, because then as, as the athletes are moving through because of the games, they needed some help covering the USA Gymnastics on their post-Rio tour. And I'm like, I'm available, let's go. And, and so uh, when, when the, the, we, we started with the team there in, in uh, Colorado Springs, we, we took them through their dress rehearsal. And then I caught up with them when they got to the Midwest in towns like Little Rock and Kansas City. And, uh, you know, it, it just got to be a part of, you know, that, that experience. And so, uh, you know, a lot of it is um, you work before and you work after um, because ideally during the event, you don't want to do anything because, because people are getting hurt and, and you don't want people to get hurt. So it's a lot of work setting it up. It's a lot of work getting the athletes ready and then, then tearing, tearing things down, getting onto the next city, but then dealing with any, uh, you know, things that might have popped up during the show or a, a lot of chronic things that actually you're dealing with and getting getting them ready for the next show. So those are some fun things I've gotten to do with that. Yeah, I think uh, about your last point, hopefully during the event, it's boring. You know, a boring football game for the sports medicine team is the best thing. That means game went on well, win, lose, draw. It doesn't matter as long as nobody got hurt. That's I think that's a win in the sports medicine team's eyes. Um, so I kind of wanted to go a little bit back about um, your time as a program director at Arkansas State and Southwest Baptist. Um, how did you get involved in each of those universities? Well, Arkansas State was my first opportunity to really get involved in academics. And I had been a private practice owner and I, I, I got to the point where it didn't seem like I was really achieving the goals I had want for myself. And certainly a lot of people, their goals are private practice and, and that's wonderful. Um, but 
it, it, even though I was doing it, it didn't seem really what I wanted to be doing, if that makes any sense, because it, the more I get involved with the private practice, it more it took me away from being on the sidelines and doing things with athletes and and the venue management, which is the stuff that I really enjoyed. Um, So it, I, I was, I was looking for an opportunity to change and Arkansas state gave me that opportunity at that time. I really didn't have the teaching credentials, um, but they were needing some people to help. They had both a PT and a PTA program and uh, they needed somebody to, to help. And so, I kind of, my wife and I took a leap of faith and we made that transition from clinic into academics. But, but then I got to work with their division one sports at Arkansas state, whether it was basketball, football, um, uh, we did some rodeo sports medicine and some side, side parts. Uh, that was kind of some neat things as well. Um, and, and, and so it got me again, uh, back to the sideline would probably be a nice way to say it. And so you got to be in academics, which then gives you a lot of freedom to do some of those other pieces. You know, I could I could you know leave at three in the afternoon. I could go to the training room. I could work in the training room. I could work with the athletes where they're at. Um, I could go to football practices. And so it, it gave me the best of both worlds. Um, and uh, that's that's really why I made that decision. But then, of course, to stay in academics, then you have to get the academic degrees to stay in academics. So I had to work on getting my PhD, which I eventually got. And that's, you know, again, if you want to stay there, you have to play the game that's academics. And so that's why I have my PhD. And, you know, then eventually, uh, you know, openings came up and, and they needed people to be the program director. And they're like, Steve, hey, you, you, it's your turn. You be the program director. So I said, all right, I'll do that. <laughs> Let's do that. Awesome. I think that's a, you know, you've kind of covered the gamut of where you can be in PT from academics all the way, sideline coverage, private practice. So you kind of have like a great, you know, overall view of what pe- like outpatient sport or sports can be as a career. Um, yeah. So kind of speaking to your role now, what, is involved in being a curriculum director for, uh, you know, a PT program? Well, it's kind of a new role and it's kind of a new thing. Um, at Bowling Green State University, of course, we're a developing program and we are developing what the, the new terminology is a hybrid accelerated program. And so we're, uh, there's, there's several programs out there that are doing this, that are taking full advantage of the online activities blended with the uh, lab immersions, bringing the students to campus for very focused times. And it's, it's a newer model. Now, of course, every program has been thrust into that because of the recent COVID thing. And, uh, but, you know, we were, we were planning to do it anyway uh, before that. Um, they, Bowling Green State University broke up several of the traditional director roles. So you, you know, traditionally, you, you'd have one program director that did everything. They did the program, they did the curriculum, they did admissions, they also did the student services. That need, and so all of those pieces were in run one role, which is what I had at my previous institution in Southwest Baptist. I was everything as a director. I did all of those roles except for clin ed. I didn't do the clin ed uh, piece. That was the clin ed director. But what 
what these new programs are doing is they're breaking up all those roles. And so we have one program director, then we have a curriculum director. That's, that's their job is, is, is building and maintaining and nurturing the curriculum. Uh, we then have a student services director and, and her job is to uh, nurture the students, um, you know, from the, from the, even, even before they get into the program, uh, building a, a warm, welcoming, belonging community that um, is, is both nurturing and supportive, but also deals with issues, negative, adverse events when they happen. Uh, we have an admissions director, that, and obviously her job is to get the students in the program. We have a, another director that it, he does research and faculty development, and so his job is to help the faculty. So my, my role is just curriculum, which is cool for me looking at it that I get to have one hat, if you will, and I get to focus exactly on the curriculum. And I get to I get to coach the faculty on, on on putting together a better product for the students to make sure it's very supportive, very inclusive for the students. I get to uh, then assess it and make sure that we're meeting our goals. And um, we all then come together as a team of directors, and we then you know are are, are what makes you know. Uh, makes the program go, if you will. Okay. And now that you've, you know, you, you've kind of transitioned from being, you know, jack of all trades to now just focusing on the curriculum. Is there any sort of uh, challenges that you faced transitioning from where you had to kind of carry or wear all hats now to where you're just focusing on that one particular aspect of, you know, of a PT program? Mm-hmm. Great question. You know, I, I think, you know, we 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 as a faculty, we were kind of joking the other day. We've all come together during this COVID crisis, and um, it's going to be very hard for us to separate uh, this 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 birthing process, if you will, of a new curriculum separate from COVID. And and in a lot of ways, it's very difficult to remember what we used. To do, even though it's just been a very short amount of time, and I've used the the phrase. It's certainly not my phrase, but uh, um, you know, the cat is out of the bag, and 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 we are starting to see new forms of learning. Um, students are experiencing new forms of learning, and they're like, uh, "We're not going back." And it's 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 hard to go backwards at this point in time. You know. Are we doing the right thing or the wrong thing? Uh, I don't know. the The history of the future will tell us that if you know if if we're going down the right direction. But I think the neatest thing for me in this is again, I work from home. This is my my home office that you see behind me. Um, I actually live in Missouri, even though Bowling Green's in Ohio. Uh, we're going to Bowling Green in a couple weeks. We'll all meet together on campus and. You know, work through some things that we have to do. I think the most the, the most surprising thing for me in this new role is how efficient I am working from home. Um, and you know, you you, you originally heard people like, "Oh, that'd be crazy! You work from home. You're not going to be able to do this. You won't be able to do that." And it's it's incredibly efficient. You're able to control your schedule much better. That's surprising to me. Um, uh, it, it, a lot of the, the, the routine distractions that you would have in a normal office, you don't have them. 
And so it leads to greater efficiency. And um, that's probably the neatest thing that I've uh, uh, seen in this whole transition. So. I think that we've all had like that whole work from home experience. Uh, I had it in my last didactic semester and it was definitely like a big, you know, almost like culture shock from where you're around your, your classmates, you know, for, I don't know, close to 20, 30 hours a week. And all of a sudden it's just you and your apartment and, you know, eliminating the distractions of me trying to distract someone else in class or having someone else distract me in class was it, it was a pretty big shock. And I think that, um, a lot of students probably don't even remember what it was like because they've been online for almost two to three years now. Um, yeah, so kind of going to a more sports medicine focus, um, what about sports medicine do you are, – why are you so passionate about it, I guess? Um, you know, what aspect of sports makes you always want to go back to, you know, leave private practice <laughs> and go back to, you know, venue coverage? Well, I, I, I've, I've, got, I've got to give a shout out right here um, to uh, Shelly Weinstein and the Marine Corps Marathon. Um, unfortunately, it was canceled again this year. It's been canceled the last two years. Um, and I know Shelly and her crew put on a, a wonderful event medically wise. And, and then I, I get to go and travel and be a part of that. You get to be a part of a team. Um, uh, very, again, very, actually this weekend, I would have been at the marathon instead of doing this interview for you if it wouldn't have been canceled. Um, it, it, to me, the most amazing thing that I see now where I'm at in my career is, and, and this is probably not the answer you're going to be expecting to hear is I love seeing my former students get to do things that I never had an opportunity to do. And, and that's what keeps me coming back. What I, what I mean by that, I, I have a former student who is now on the sidelines for the New Orleans Saints. He's a physical therapist working on the sidelines for the Saints. I have got physical therapists who have completed, former, former students who are now physical therapists that have completed residencies. Um, being able to help mentor them and in, in to achieve different elements that I never had an opportunity to. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, um, actually probably one of a couple of weeks ago, I get a, a text message from from one of my my colleagues that I help mentor, and she's like, "Hey, I got a call. I'm traveling with Team USA Boxing to Europe, and I'm so excited." And, and I was excited for her because of the things that she, you know she's getting to do now. Um, and that's to me that that's what keeps me coming back and wants me to help continue to uh, you know be a part of the team, um, certainly learning and growing. Um, and yeah, I, I even branched out a couple of years ago to something brand new, uh, eSports. Um, we had an opportunity at our school at, at SBU that you know we had an eSports a varsity eSports team and and the traditional, you know, sports medicine community kind of shunned them. And the coach is like, I need help. These kids need help. And, and, and they do. And they, they, do need, they do need lots of physical help. There's no doubt about that. So we created a, we call it an eSports med program for these, these, these athletes. And, and so, you know, ultimately, the, the seeing, seeing my former students get to succeed and do things, and then, of course, you know, ultimately, it's building those therapeutic relationships with those athletes. And, um, you know, I can't, 
can't name the names, but um, uh, that would be, I think, a HIPAA violation. Um, but I, I, I see national events going on now, um, world events going on now. And I'm like, yeah, I worked with that person. And I, I, I have some of them that, that are still very good friends of mine. And it's, it's, it's so good to see. Um, and it's, you know, you know the, I know that somehow a small part of their success, I had, 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 had a small role in. So, um, that's just kind of neat. Yeah. I think that's a great answer and a unique answer. Um, since you, you know, mentored so many different people, seeing like other people succeed that you helped, you know, played a small role and not, you know, athlete, you know, a lot of sports medicine people say, you know, I got to work with that athlete and it, you know, I can see them get back on the field, but you're helping the people who help the people and make sure and in, in their, in their different roles. Um, so kind of going along with that, since you've seen and worked with so many different people that are working at different levels of sports, what are some characteristics of a good sports PT to you that you, you know, have seen throughout your time? <laughs> I, I, I'm going to steal from, steal from what I just said. I, I think, I think it's the therapeutic rapport to be completely honest with you. Um, uh, if you can't build a therapeutic relationship with these athletes and, and there, there's a lot of times I, I had a physical therapist once tell me, Oh, you're in sports. That's easy. You're working with highly motivated, motivated individuals. And it, well, yeah, certainly you are. Um, and, but you know what? Almost every athlete that I know has to retire at a relatively young age. Um, most of them have to give up their careers before they want to. Um, there's very few John Elways, if you will, they get to, uh, or Peyton Mannings that get to win the Super Bowl and then go out on their own terms. There's very few athletes that get that experience. And a lot of times, you know, you're on that side of it. It's like, you know, you know we're doing great. You're getting back, but you know you're probably not going to compete at the level you were before for a lot of reasons. So that therapeutic relationship, you know, again, I, you know, whether it's on my Facebook, whether it's on my cell phone and my my contact list, I've got a lot of former former uh, patients of mine that have become friends of mine. Um, uh, and that therapeutic relationship, without it, it's very difficult to achieve anything that's, that's going to be lasting on the sports field. They, athletes are very, I'm generalizing certainly, but athletes tend to be very, very uh, non-trusting of, um, of outsiders. And if, if they don't value you as a person, value you as a professional, um, it's very hard to accomplish anything of value in the rehab side. And so uh, I got a couple of great examples. Um, one year I was, I was at the Olympic training center and I was working with these young judo athletes and they, they didn't, they didn't buy anything I was selling. It, it didn't matter who I was, what credentials I had, what experience I had. It didn't matter. They weren't buying it. They didn't believe in me, even though I tried to do my best. Then one day, one of the senior judo athletes walked in who I'd actually happened to work with a couple years before. And she's like, Oh, you get to work with Steve. You're he's one of the best people here. You know, and, and instantly I could do no wrong with these young athletes because, because 
you found a way somehow, it wasn't of my own doing, it was the wonderful interaction of the senior judo athlete who, who helped build that bridge for me. Um, and I saw, so, you know, to answer your question, it's, to me, it's a therapeutic relationship. And, you know, I've got, I, I, I did, it's such a joy. I've, I've seen some, I just saw just recently one of a, a former high school athlete that I worked with back in 1991 and 1992 entered the, the, his, his high school's hall of fame. You know, and I got to see that on, on Facebook and I got to see where they're at now. What two of the coaches I worked with back in that time frame, also Arkansas state hall of fame. And, and you get to see a part of that in, 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 in when they're just like, Oh, Steve, thanks for all that you helped me with back then. And, and, you know, again, it's just a, just a cool thing that, that relationship, that therapeutic relationship that not only transcends the rehab process, but, you know, builds these lifelong relationships. Yeah. I think that's a great answer. Uh, sometimes it's like when we're working with patients, uh, as a new grad, I'm, focusing on, am I giving the right exercise? Am I making the right diagnosis? But really that therapeutic, like you said, alliance or relationship and making sure you understand the person where they are in their life and making sure they feel heard and valued is probably one of the more important things rather than do I give them five to five or 10 sit to stands, you know, that's not going to matter down the line. What's going to matter down the line is whether they felt like you heard them and helped them out in the long run to getting back to whatever they need to do. All right. Um, so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about where you are, where you are right now at Bowling Green. Um, what are some different challenges besides, you know, besides COVID that you face when working on, like building a program from the ground up? What, like, you know, hybrid or not, it's probably it's a huge under, undertaking. So what are just some different um, challenges that you face, you know, building it from the ground up? Well, I've described frequently that I'm a kid in the candy shop. I'm just enjoying this process. Um, it is so much fun to be a part of the new, what I, what I believe are the new formats of education for physical therapy in the future. And it's not just physical therapy. I mean, there's a lot of other degree disciplines that are, that are, I mean, for example, the, the MBA, the business administration degree, they've, They've long, it seems long ago, but they've, they've made that transition to a lot of their degrees are remote. Um, we're seeing OT is starting to do some hybrid type things like this. So, you know, maybe in some ways physical therapy is kind of late to the party and, and maybe, maybe this whole COVID thing has accelerated it some, you know, I, I don't know. And, you know, what would one have happened without the other or, or maybe it wouldn't have happened as fast. So I'm enjoying it. It's it's an absolute joy for me. And um, what I think the challenges are, um, the, the the real challenges are, is is the establishment. In other words, um, anytime change comes, people feel threatened. And you know whether that's you know change at a, a local high school with a change of a coach. Or whether that's you know a change of some bigger uh, elements in terms of you know global politics, people are generally not comfortable with change, and that is probably the most difficult thing is is convincing um, you know all of the people that 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 
that could be involved, they, they, they can, this is okay. It's not, it's not the end of the world. It's, it's just another way to accomplish something. Um, and that's, 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 that's easily it. You know, the change factor is in convincing people. That's, that's the biggest problem. Right. And as someone that is always reluctant to change, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. And that's um, probably one of the more difficult things, uh, you know, with any, with anything, whether it be, you know, you're moving or a whole new phase of your life is beginning. Change is definitely one of the most challenging things. Uh, Steve, I got one more question for you and then we'll get you out of here. Um, what is a piece of advice that you might have for any aspiring sports PTs, um, whether they're currently in PT school, whether, you know, they see sports PT as a future career and they're still an undergrad or, you know, even for other clinicians out there? Well, great question. Thanks for asking it. I think the the most important thing, and, and I actually have got a, a, a call next week with a, uh, someone who wanted to talk to me about, hey, I want to do sports medicine. Give me some advice. So, so may, may, they might jump into this podcast if you get it up in time and and get the spiel. I'm going to give them next week. I, th- I think there's two parts. There's there's two two very important pieces of information. The first is you have to understand that, and this is coming as a curriculum director. So I'm I'm responsible for putting the curriculum together. We don't do the emergency management piece in PT school. Um, uh, very few schools do. There may be a few, but there are very few schools because it's not a requirement of, of our accrediting agencies. So one of the very first things that if you're interested in doing and becoming a, a physical therapist in this sports medicine world, this sports PT world, you got to get that emergency medicine piece. Now, in my generation, that was usually becoming dual credentialed and, and becoming an athletic trainer is usually how you accomplished that. Some would get things credentials like an EMT, um, but we now have um, in the sports section is, uh, of the APTA has been really a, a driver in that is, is we now have these emergency medicine courses that you can go to. Um, these, these, uh, ERA, I believe, is the initials for it, these emergency response um, for athletes. And so uh, get to one of those. Um, it's critical that you pick up that piece. The second thing, and it sounds crazy, um, again, for my generation, we didn't have these, but I see my students that have gone through sports residencies and they are so far ahead of the game that I ever was at that same age. Um, I, I mean, they, they know things that I still don't know, to be completely honest with you. I'm like, cool. Hey, that's neat. I didn't I didn't learn that, you know, how I did these things. Um, so the, the opportunity now that is there in that sports residencies is just tremendous. So, you know, given all of the parameters that you have today, I think those are the best routes to really leapfrog your career forward. Um, you probably could add a, you know, maybe a third piece to that. And that is, you know, get involved, um, you know, whether it's, you know, local, local foot races, whether it's uh, maybe volunteering at, at, at some uh, local sporting events with some people who are doing it. Certainly you can get involved that way, but man, getting your emergency medicine credentials and then getting through a residency with, Again, everything we have at our, our disposal today, 
you just have, have leapfrogged so far down the path. That's what I see. That's what I see. You know, I think that's great advice that I think every sports clinician, you know, should listen to. Definitely having that emergency component. You know, this is coming from a, a curriculum director who understands that this is not part of, you know, something PTs usually come out with as generalists. So getting that supplementary emergency aspect to make sure that you can be a complete sports, you know, clinician is something that's very, uh, very, I guess, uh, vital. Uh, Steve. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Is there anything that you would like to plug or, you know, let the people know about? Well, again, I want to thank you. This is absolutely wonderful that you're doing these type of things and getting the message out. Certainly uh, a big shout out to the sports section of the APTA. And, and that's a place to get involved. And not only involved in, in seeing and doing things like information that's coming to you, but getting to meet people that are in the trenches and maybe places that you want to be. Um, getting, getting to our, the, like, like we just had a meeting in, in uh, uh, September. It was in Indianapolis for the sports section. Um, getting to those, those places to network and meet people um, sports is still a lot about networking. And so, you know, without making those connections, it's, uh, it's very difficult to, to help find your path, if you will. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you again, Steve, for coming on. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with us. Um, and this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Big thank you to Steve Lesh of Bowling Green State University for coming on to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Steve gave us a lot of great insight about what it's like to run a curriculum for a new hybrid DPT program and gave us a lot of great sports medicine stories as well. If you learned anything new, enjoyed our guests, or want to hear more episodes from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening.